Hello, welcome to Deep Into Sleep Podcast. I'm Dr. Yishan, a licensed clinical psychologist, board-certified behavioral sleep medicine specialist, and adjunct clinical faculty at Stanford School of Medicine. So in my clinic, we often provide neuropsychological testing to both children and adults. One of the most popular questions we got asked is, do I have ADHD? So many psychologists may say, well, let's do some tests and find out. But as a sleep psychologist, I would say we have to rule out sleep disorders before diagnosing ADHD. So sleep disorders could make symptoms of ADHD worse and can even lead to misdiagnosis of ADHD and many other mental disorders. So what is neuropsychological testing? When should you consider getting one? Today, I invited one of my colleagues from my own clinic, Dr. Kenzan Lu a licensed clinical psychologist and neuropsychological testing specialist. So if you are considering a psychological testing, hopefully our conversation can be helpful to you. You can find more information about our psychological testing service at mindbodygarden.com assessment clinic. I'm Dr. Yishan. We are very excited today that we have Dr. Liu with us. Welcome, Dr. Liu. Hi, hi everyone. It's good to be here. Yeah, so I want to let you know, in our clinic, we do provide one service called psychological testing. We have a whole big department with several licensed psychologists and some doctoral students to help out with the assessment. So what is psychological testing? What is this service exactly? How do you know when you or your children need to seek such help? Let's discuss what is psychological testing first. Yeah, those are really good questions. Psychological assessment and testing is a very formal structured process where psychologists and in our clinic, we work very collaboratively. So let's say you have any questions about any part of your functioning, like your cognitive functioning, your memory, um, maybe your IQ, intellectual functioning. Um, We also test emotional personality functioning. So it's a formalized process where we use research-based tests that have been normed for all kinds of populations. And then we kind of take a look. We get some data, objective data and some subjective data. So we do some battery of tests. We do a lot of tasks with you or your child. Or we also have some questionnaires that we like to do. So again, doing a lot of measuring your emotional functioning, your personality. And then we try to answer some of the questions that you may have. So let's say it's for you or your child. Each one of us, we have very unique strengths and difficulties in cognitive functioning and our personality, our emotional functioning. So we, as a team, we can kind of tease apart all of that. Like, let's say we get a lot of unique insights into your strengths, your weaknesses. So let's say you're having questions about you or your child's functioning around learning. They're having a lot of issues with reading or processing new information. If you have any questions about their mental health functioning, personality, emotional functioning, those are also things that we can kind of assess for and kind of help you in treatment. So let's say maybe you feel stuck in therapy or you feel stuck in work functioning or school. We can kind of work with you to develop some like recommendations or where to go from here. It's a little bit about where, mm-hmm. where you 
Yeah, I can share some stories. When I, you know, one test I do is the IQ test. And there are a lot of uh, misunderstandings about IQ tests. So first, both adults and children can come for an IQ test. You want to know how smart you are. It's interesting because we are in Silicon Valley and there are a lot of uh, engineers. There are a lot of people working in those large, fancy tech companies. It's very competitive. Everyone there graduated from MIT, Harvard, Yale, Stanford. So it's like highly educated, very smart population. So I have some clients who are adults and they are very smart already. And they work in one of those large tech companies. But then they were like, look around. Everyone seems like smarter than me. I really want to know whether my IQ has problem. <laughs> so can you help me test? Let me know my IQ. So that's some adults I see who come in to look for the test. Also, children, I think uh, if your child, you think your child possibly is gifted, if you want to apply for a gifted program, normally they would require your child to get a most recent IQ test done, and there are certain specific requirements within what type of subtest you should include in the IQ test. It's not just the standard one. So I did that quite a lot. And uh, I want to clarify that for IQ test, it's not just a score. It's not like what the score is for your IQ means how smart you are. It's really break it down in our report, in our testing. We help you to understand what's your processing speed, for example, what's your working memory component, right? What's your other perceptual skills? So we break down different intelligent skill sets and categorize it and help you have a full report and scores at this plan to both the parents, children, or the adult individuals, which area of skill is your strength, which area of skill is your weakness. And we can, based on the data, we can give you some intervention plans. What's the next step you can do? What can be helpful to you? So this is just example and uh, stories about IQ tests, but there's many other tests. Also, sometimes when we do IQ tests for children for applying for gifted school, I notice the child is kind of anxious. Then I will have some conversations with the parents, right? If the child's IQ score is a little bit above average, but it's not that high, but the child is very anxious, then the parents need to think about is gifted school the best choice for them. So I think there's a lot of things to consider in this uh, whole testing process. Yeah. And I know another common one is ADHD. We have a lot of adults coming in want to diagnose, do I have ADHD? I cannot focus at work. <laughs> right. And children, of course, have that question too. So Dr. Lu, how do you think about that? I know you are quite good with uh, ADHD testing. Yeah, I think those are all really great points. And I think what we really want to figure out is, yeah, where your ability level is, right? So is it, let's say for ADHD or IQ, is it that your ability um, that you do have the ability, but something about the environment or situation is making it difficult for you to get your work done or whatever. So 
In the case of ADHD, I think it can be hard. There's so many factors that could impact your concentration, like even sleep. Like, are you sleeping well enough? Has it been? So with ADHD, we kind of look for, has it been a longstanding issue of not being able to focus, having to use a lot of workarounds and compensate when you're easily distractible and things like that. So for ADHD testing, I think we really want to see a longstanding issue, long history of not being able to focus. And this also shows up in many different ways. So not just um, at work, but this also happens at home. Like it's hard to do your, keep up with chores. It's hard to impact your relationships with other people um, because it's hard to pay attention or you tend to interrupt other people all the time. So ADHD is really an executive functioning issue. Like it just it's harder for your brain to kind of think, think ahead, plan ahead, organize. So when we do testing, we really want to, again, look at some of that data, like how can you sustain your attention for a long period of time? Mm, but also like, yeah, you're again, your working memory or your processing speed. And then kind of getting some other information from maybe if you're in school for kids, like information from teachers, if you are at work, like, or you have a partner, you have friends at home, like, do they also see these difficulties for you at home? Um, That's a little bit about what we look for when we start ADHD testing. If it's been a longstanding issue, then maybe it is really beneficial to see if it may be ADHD or is there other kinds of difficulties that you have um, that we can kind of help you identify and then have recommendations, interventions. Right, right. I know some families coming in for children's ADHD diagnosis. Sometimes is you know they notice some difficulties at school and uh, or mostly parents care about the performance academic performance right and the child is struggling and they notice some signs of distractions or uh, impulsivity or executive functioning difficulties at home so parents have this question want to bring kids in sometimes it's like teachers at school strongly recommend the parents to take the child to find a psychologist, do the testing and uh, clarify the diagnosis. So we see that recommendations come from different ways, right? Different directions. But if a child struggles, not only themselves may notice something, people around them at different situations may notice them. Like Dr. Liu mentioned, for ADHD testing, we do need the symptoms to show up at least two different situations. Not only at home, if you only observe this problem at home, but the child is doing fine everywhere else, then it's questionable, maybe, we're not sure, but you can still test to clarify. But we definitely, I think part of the testing is we're going to ask questions to the school, to the teachers, and also ask the parents to fill out something and evaluate the child themselves to really get a picture, try to understand what's going on about ADHD. Is that ADHD? Yeah. So. Dr. Liu, what do you think clinically when you see people coming for testing? What are some common problems you notice? Yeah, common problems. I think when we test, we do want a complete picture, hopefully, like as much information as you can give us. So in terms of, let's say, for a child or for an adult, 
We want more developmental history. Let's say if it's for a PhD, sometimes uh, adults think they sort of developed it, which is not necessarily true. That、mm-hmm. that we do need some evidence from when when you're younger or as a child. I think also nowadays there can be a lot of misconceptions around, you know, ADHD, ASD, IQ, or even just any kind of disorders out there. I find that a lot of people already think they might have something, or there's a lot of questions, or people don't really understand the process, which is kind of why we're here, that we can. Walk、mm-hmm. with you through and kind of identify what's going on, but in terms of problems, I think just yeah, clarifying what exactly assessment can do for you, what kinds of recommendations, interventions we can suggest, also just. Yeah, letting us sort of work with you with what kind of diagnosis you get or what kind of accommodations you might want potentially for your child or for yourself. I think it it can be really hard sometimes to tease apart all of those things. So yeah, those are the things that I can think of right now. Yeah. So like Doctor Lu mentioned, I want to emphasize this for ADHD.、Uh, we do need the symptoms to start showing up before age twelve. So I see a lot of adults coming in. They are must I must have ADHD. Recently, I cannot focus at work and I feel awful. But they never had this problem. They never notice anything when they are younger. Nobody ever complained about anything or shows concerns. So you know it may not be ADHD, and、uh, it, you can still test it out. But、uh, it could also overlap with anxiety. When you are really anxious, you it's hard for you to focus sometimes too. Right, and、uh, Dr. Liu also mentioned sleep is a really big part. Actually, sleep becomes more and more in the diagnosis of ADHD. I'm actually thinking in our clinic as because I'm doing sleep work. I'm wondering how to incorporate the evaluation of sleep piece into the evaluation of ADHD. I know some misdiagnosis of ADHD because the symptom is presented, but the reason behind it. It's not this neurodivergent problem. It's more the lack of sleep, or sleep is not regulated. For some children, once they are able to sleep better, their symptoms disappear. Then that may not be actually ADHD or autism or something else. Yeah, so sleep is actually a very important part in all this diagnosis. So that's something in our clinic we're gonna keep on talking about. And how to incorporate that? And、uh, other than ADHD, another thing we do in our clinic a lot is diagnose autism, which is also become more and more like popular or well, you know, known in this area at least in the Bay Area. But I don't know whether nationally there are more and more parents start worrying about and notice the, some signals from their children about whether the children are on spectrum. Yeah, I think I also find that some adults are questioning more and more too, and I think it's good that there has been so much exposure now in media or social media that there are just so many people talking about their experience of potentially being on the spectrum, and I think that's also great that there is so much exposure out there, and that. Also, what I will say is the diagnosis of autism has changed in the last since the last sort of revision of the DSM. So,、mm-hmm. I think prior we had diagnoses of like Aspergers, which is like high functioning autism. But、um, so a lot of people might kind of 
come in as adults and now say like, hey, I have struggled all my life with social issues. I don't really understand other people. And I, I feel really isolated and things like that, or I can't really function. And, and I think all of those things are great to work with in therapy or work with someone or even just get support like with people who might have features of autism. Um, and at the same time that to diagnose autism now for an adult or sometimes for children, it is also difficult because there are such the categories that you kind of have to meet are a little more strict. So I do think um, it could it could be difficult to get the diagnosis of autism. But I also think that now if you feel like you identify or have a lot of those issues to like Maybe, yeah, work with it, work with those things like with a therapist or kind of see what's out there that kind of speaks more to your experience. So um, and if this is such a longstanding issue and let's say your your parents, like the school kids, everyone kind of notice that this is an issue, then definitely come try and be evaluated for it. I think yeah, that could be very valuable. Yeah, great. Thank you, Dr. Lu, for you know covering a lot of the uh, important ground for this uh, psychological testing work. So when parents should really consider seeking help, I think a lot of parents first, they are confused about when this should be a concerning enough thing for me to spend money and time and energy to really seek professional testing support. Second, a lot of parents don't know what kind of service they should seek, right? I have some Chinese parents coming in very uh, confused. They they are not growing up in America. They immigrate here. They don't understand the system very well. They don't know, should my child see a therapist, do a testing, and uh, where should I start? So I get a lot of confused family like that. Is there anything you want to share with families like that? Yeah, I would say it would be probably great to just get, get started with a therapist and kind of see see how that goes. So let's say if there's been so many maybe difficulties with parenting at home, behavioral issues, emotional issues, like not being able to express, communicate, any like acting out behaviors. I think if there's anything going on at school, maybe they're not doing well, they're easily distracted. They're not making friends very easily. They're not, let's say, teachers give you any kinds of feedback that is continues to be feedback. Or just let's say they, they feel they you witness that they feel sad or they feel anxious. I think getting started in therapy is a great way to start like teasing out some of those issues, like whatever the child is experiencing. So I think, and then I think when kids and families start feeling more stuck, let's say they um, were trying interventions at school, at home, parenting strategies, and it's not really helping or they're still not doing well in school, let's say yeah, they just have a really hard time with writing or reading. And one thing we didn't mention yet is like sometimes we can also test for learning disabilities, right? So I think if there's any issues that sort of don't really, you feel stuck, don't really get any better um, at, I would say even if it's just getting started with a part of the assessment. So sometimes we can just screen for ADHD, we can screen for 
any emotional issues, just to talk to the therapist, talk to maybe a psychologist about your concerns, maybe consult and then go from there. Let's say, yeah, they're really struggling at school or really struggling at home um, with your parenting and it's not really working, then I would suggest let's look at some of these things to kind of understand your child better too. I think it's not about like what's wrong necessarily with them, but it's just we want to understand their unique strengths, how they, you know, interact with the world, how they, what their abilities are, and then trying to see if we can make any recommendations or accommodations for them at school or at home. Like maybe it just means they need a little bit more time to transition between things that happen for them at school. They need a place that is less distracted. They need more reminders. Things like that are some recommendations that we can make. So I think if you're really stuck and you can't find a way forward, I think it's a great time to get started with testing or with treatment. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think you can start with anywhere, right? You can start with any providers. If you need psychological testing, that provider will refer you for one. And uh, while working in hospitals before, psychiatrists often refer psychological testing to us psychologists. A lot of people think, oh, if I want to diagnose ADHD, I need to find a psychiatrist and uh, talk to them for one hour, they can diagnose. Personally, I disagree. <laughs> Psychiatrists may disagree with me, but think about psychiatrists diagnose you based on their clinical interview with you and just normally just the intake interview for one hour. But for us psychologists, we want to diagnose you for ADHD. We're going to uh, send out questionnaires, ask teacher, ask parents, ask yourself. We will have clinical interview with, with the parents to gather a lot of information with the child. And we have a lot of objective psychological tools. So for us, diagnose ADHD need multiple hours of work and come up with a very comprehensive, long testing report to really list out what are the symptoms, what are some things, why we think you have ADHD, what are the data from objective measures, and what are some suggestions for interventions. So I feel like for a psychologist, when you do ADHD testing, we give you a lot of more details to cover a lot of your confusions. But, uh, you know, I feel like any providers in the field who are experienced knows how to collaborate and use all these psychological resources to really help the clients out to figure out the, uh, the problem. Another thing, Dr. Liu, you mentioned that remind me, I used to test some college students uh, for uh, their uh, to evaluate their mood state and whether there's any ADHD problem or anxiety or something else. And after the diagnosis, and we gave them a report. So a lot of college students actually can take the report to school and ask for extra time in their test or ask for some kind of accommodation from school to make sure when they have these challenges they are dealing with, they can still maintain their academic performance to a certain level to really help them achieve the goals they want to achieve. So I think that's very useful, that setting for students, no matter it's high school, right, or college. A lot of schools do have this accommodation, but they do need a testing report from a licensed psychologist to be able to give those accommodations to you. And for autism, it's similarly. For autism and ADHD, you all need to do the full evaluation from licensed clinical psychologists and then get a report. 
And then you can use this report to ask for resources, ask for useful intervention resources. I know for autism, uh, if you are diagnosed with ASD, take the report, you can go to the county, you can go to different uh, organizations to ask for ABA services, ask for certain intervention services, and sometimes there are certain reimbursement can be provided by different plans. But the report, the diagnosed report is very important. It's a uh, uh, must have. So for ADHD, when you want to negotiate with the school or even with depression, anxiety, similarly, you get evaluation from psychologists, get a report, and then you use that to negotiate with school. Sometimes I think as psychologists, we can even help out to have meetings with school and help the school understand because sometimes they submit the report to school and school will reach out to us say, can we talk? And we try to understand like how we can help this child better at school. So that's all possible. So I think it's a, um, that's why we need the teamwork and to really help out to see, okay, how to navigate this. Yeah. And I, I think there's so many things that people don't know psychologists can sort of help with or get. So even with like college accommodations, school accommodations, we also sometimes get requests for, let's say, I need to take the MCAT or the bar exam or GRE. Some people also need a, a report from a clinical psychologist to get, let's say, extra time on a GRE, right? Or there's psychological evaluations used for all kinds of purposes for adults. There's a lot of evaluations done for court purposes or even um, fertility treatments, people going through fertility, all kinds of things sometimes, just or even some job, job evaluations. Some people do psychological assessments just to kind of get an understanding of your functioning. So you yeah, there, there's so many ways that a psychological assessment could be helpful. Yeah, talk about the reproductivity. Yeah, we uh, in our clinic, we do provide some kind of uh, evaluation for IVF procedure too, because, you know, it's required by the doctors. When you try to donate your eggs, your sperm, when you try to, you know, get those to have a child to give birth yourself, or you want to use a surrogate, all those services, we have to make sure psychologically you are prepared. You understand the pros and the cons and the consequences. And there's a lot of things covered in that. And then they do need to go over formal psychological evaluation. And there's uh, objective measures involved too. And the full standard report will be given as well. So that's another type of a function of psychological evaluation. So there's a lot of things we can do and to can, can help you with. Yeah, so I think we covered quite a lot of information today, Dr. Lu. Any uh, last wisdom you want to share? Anything else you think we are missing, we haven't covered yet? No, I think that was pretty comprehensive. I think it is a sounds like a very long and sort of challenging process, but I would hope it's also very enjoyable to kind of yeah understand yourself better. And, and maybe also I think what's really nice is to, for us sometimes to kind of give you some hope with, let's say yourself or your child, like it could be very powerful to kind of look at the data and see where you're at and kind of, and kind of go and create like an individual kind of plan for your future, right? That maybe, yeah, you've been feeling stuck 
but now you feel very hopeful. And these are the ways that maybe I can kind of work through the world. So it's, I think it's very enjoyable for me to be able to do something like this and give feedback. It's, it's always been a really good experience for families or adults who go through psychological assessments. So yeah, I would encourage you to try it out. Yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah. So for whoever listening and watching, if you have any of these concerns about ADHD, autism, IQ test and emotional uh, diagnosis, right? You just want to clarify the picture or your provider, you want to refer your clients to a legit place with licensed clinical psychologists who can do great testing work. Uh, you can all consider our assessment center within our clinic. And I put a link down there. And also uh, in our description box, you can check it out if you need a service. I know some of the psychological testing can be done online and uh, uh, some of this need to be in person. So we are all licensed in California. So right now uh, we are taking California residents for the psychological testing service. So if you need any help, please feel free to reach out to us. Yeah. Thank you for watching and thank you for Dr. Liu for your time to come here chat with us and uh, help us understand the ins and outs of psychological testing. Yes, of course. It was my pleasure. Thank you, everyone. And then I will see you in the future. Bye. Thank you very much for listening. If you like my podcast, please consider leaving a review or a rating on Apple Podcast. This can help more people find my podcast. I really appreciate your support. Also, I have a CBT for insomnia treatment course. If you or your family members suffer from insomnia, you can find more information on this website at deepintosleep.co slash insomnia. Thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Yishan. I will see you next time. Bye. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk. And our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed.